Well, welcome everybody to all of our campuses meeting throughout the Twin Seas today on a beautiful Minnesota summer day. Uh, glad you made it to church, making that a priority in your life. Way to go. I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online every time you join us. We know that you're a part of our congregation, and it's an honor to have you with us as well. We are in a series called Will God Come Through? Because if God comes through, then I don't have to worry about my life so much. Uh, I don't have to worry about who my college roommates will be and if we'll get along because God will come through. I don't have to worry about having enough money because God will come through. I don't have to worry about if my kids will grow up, follow Jesus, get married, leave home, and not come back because God will definitely come through. I don't have to worry about my health, my job, my career, my future because God will come through, except that I often didn't get along with my college roommates. I still worry about money. We constantly worried about our kids. I still stress out about my job and future. So does God come through or doesn't he? Uh, we're looking at a man in the Bible named Elijah. And what I love about Elijah is what James 5.17 says about him. It says, Elijah was a man just like you and me. He was a person just like we are, had all the same problems and stresses that we have. For example, he often wavered between great faith and great fear. That happens to me a lot. Great faith, great fear. He'd achieve some great accomplishment only to be feeling very worthless the very next day. Once he got so depressed that he became suicidal and wanted to die. And I love these aspects about Elijah not that he was suicidal, but that he felt afraid and inadequate because I struggle with those same things as well. Elijah was one of the most famous prophets in the Bible. He confronted this wicked king, Ahab. He killed 450 false prophets, single-handedly saved Israel and turned them from worshiping false gods. Elijah had these huge victories. God came through. But then he got so depressed, he wanted to end his life. And I raise that because some people think if you love Jesus, you'll never have any problems ever again or get depressed, but that's simply not true. I love Jesus with all my heart, but I've dealt with anxiety and feelings of inadequacy most, most of my life. And what's sneaky about this whole thing is it often comes right after a big accomplishment or a big event. I tried to think of a time when I felt really great about life, and our honeymoon came to mind. We were just 21 years old, which is way too early to get married, but we were 21. I was a Baptist preacher's kid, and she was a Catholic girl, very Catholic. Baptist and Catholic was tough 30-some years ago, 40 years ago almost. And everybody, though, wanted to date Laurie Thompson in high school. She was so pretty, so smart way out of everybody's league, but she said no to everybody. She said no to me at least eight times before she finally just gave up and agreed to go on a date to our class play. But then a miracle happened, and we began dating all through high school, all through college. We, we made a commitment before God to not have sex before marriage because we believe that God would honor that, and he has in every single way. So we got married on the day of our wedding. Right after our wedding, we packed up my 1969 Mercury Cougar and took off for a two-week honeymoon in Maine and Vermont. But our first stop was the Pocono Mountains in northeastern Pennsylvania. Now, the Poconos are a known honeymoon 
spot in the Allegheny Mountains with fluffy beds and heart-shaped jacuzzis, and it was just unbelievable. I'm telling you, I will never forget, I will never forget that very first night. Again, Baptist preacher's kid, Catholic girl. When we opened the door to our suite and saw this jacuzzi, we were so nervous, we just dropped our bags and said, let's go to dinner. We <laughs> couldn't handle it. After dinner, we just walked around aimlessly. We had no agenda whatsoever, didn't know what to do with ourselves. Finally, we found the courage to head back to our suite, and Laurie put her arms around my neck and whispered, meet you in the jacuzzi in five minutes, and I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> it was more than my Baptist heart could handle, and it was beyond amazing. And that's all I'm gonna say about that, but just four days later, <laughs> just four days later, I was so frustrated with her, and she wanted to kill me. We were on an 11-hour hike. It was supposed to be a seven-hour hike. 11 hours on Mount Monroe in New Hampshire, and after six hours of climbing, all we had to do to get to the top was 200 yards left. That's, that's all that was left. But Laurie refused. Said she didn't need to summit. How can you not summit when it's right there? And it made no sense. So I said, you gotta summit. She sat down. <laughs> she said, I can see plenty right from here. I said, the top is right there. And then I said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Four days into marriage, what's wrong with you? When I told my wife I was gonna tell you all this story today, she said, do you remember what you said to me on the way down that day? This is 39 years ago. I said, of course I don't remember. I can't remember what I said a minute ago. She said, we were so tired and our legs were so wobbly that you turned to your wife of just four days and this is what you said, I can't help you, you're on your own, it's every man for himself. <laughs> she still remembers that 39 years ago. By the way, guys, women remember everything. And even if they don't, they make you think they do so you can't win. I took a photograph of my wife. I, I, I made her climb to the top. She was so mad. She wouldn't even look at the camera. <laughs> From there, it got worse. I went deep sea fishing in Maine. Never crossed my mind that it was her birthday on our honeymoon. Never mentioned it, no card, nothing. I went, deep, I went fishing on her birthday, on our honeymoon. And she still steamed about that. And we were, so, we were so poor after the Poconos that we looked for the cheapest places we could find, pulled into one place, 12 bucks a night for these little cabins they were advertising. That's my spot. The room stunk. The bed was caved in like this. I mean, it was awful. Then our car broke down in Vermont, ran out of gas in New Jersey. And six months, I'm telling you, six months into our marriage, we were so unhappy we both thought we'd married the wrong person. Now, the only thing that saved us was a commitment, a commitment for better or worse. And we were in worse. The only thing that got us through was a commitment before God that we're in this for life and we'll figure it out. So glad.
Great highs, though, are often followed by deep lows. Great highs followed by deep lows. You're thrilled to get accepted into college, but a month later, you're so depressed you want to quit. You marry the person of your dreams, but two years later, you feel trapped and wish you could get out. You finally get pregnant and are ecstatic, but you're so overwhelmed. After the child is born, you wonder if you'll make it. You get promoted at work only to feel down or depressed a few days or weeks later, and you wonder, will God come through? Where's God in this? So we pick up the story in 1 Kings 18. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, who you're going to see is a real piece of work, uh, have led Israel so far astray that they're now worshiping foreign gods, false gods, particularly the gods of Baal. So God raised up one man, as he often does, one person to stand up. And I hope we'll be that kind of people. Stand up to wrongdoing. Elijah, to bring judgment against Ahab in the form of a drought. And for the next three years, Ahab tries to find and kill this prophet Elijah. But now three years are up. And Elijah comes out of hiding to confront Ahab. We pick up the story in 1 Kings 18, 17. When Ahab saw Elijah coming, he said, Is that you, you troublemaker of Israel? But Elijah said, Hey, man. It's not me who's making trouble for Israel, but you have abandoned the Lord's commands and worshiped the images of Baal. Now summon all Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of Baal. Now, gang, what happens next is one of the biggest events in the entire Bible, really in in the entire history of the world. Elijah stood in front of the nation Israel and challenged their king Ahab and these 450 false prophets to a showdown. It's one guy against 450. The whole nation is watching. He said, look, have your false prophets build an altar, slaughter a bull, call on the name of your false god Baal to consume it with fire. If you fail, I will call in the name of the Lord God to consume it with fire. Whoever succeeds will prove that their God is the only true God. So the 450 prophets of Baal start crying out to Baal. Nothing happens. Of course nothing happens. It's a false God. He doesn't exist. They carried on for hours, even slashing themselves, pleading with Baal to answer. The Bible says about noon, Elijah taunted them and said, shout louder. Maybe he's daydreaming. Maybe he's relieving himself. Maybe, it's in the Bible, maybe he's asleep (laughs) or on a trip. This is Old Testament trash talk, and you gotta love it. The Bible says they raved all day long until evening. No reply. Then it was Elijah's turn, but before he prayed, he had the altar doused with water, buckets of water three times till it was completely soaked and it filled the trench below, and it says this, then Elijah prayed, God, prove that you are God, that I'm your servant. Answer me so these people will know that you are bringing them back to yourself. Immediately, boom, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the bowl, the wood, stones, licked up all the water in the trench. When the people saw it, They fell face down. Have you ever done that? Just fallen face down. That's something that was so grand and cried out 
the Lord, he is God. Yes, indeed, he is God. The Bible says Elijah then ordered the 450 prophets of Baal be seized and slaughtered, and the Bible says not one of them got away. Elijah's the original Braveheart. He's a stud. Challenged the king, called down fire, killed 450 false prophets, turned an entire nation back to God. You would think, after all that, he would never waver. But look at 19.1. Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. May the gods strike me down if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you. In the very next verse, it says Elijah was afraid and ran for your li his life. Are you kidding me? He wipes out 450 prophets, but then folds under a single threat from a woman. I mean, I mean what's going on? Well, he, he's a man just like us. And I've seen this happen in my own life. You achieve something, God answers prayers, your church or business takes off, you're feeling strong, but then you get a little criticism and you just shrivel up. In fact, Elijah gets so down by this, he runs into the desert, sits down under a tree, and this is what he says, God, I've had it, take my life. <laughs> I'm no better than anybody else. He's so depressed and depleted, he doesn't even wanna live. Can I pause real quick just, and just say that if you struggle with depression, you're not alone. Even faith-filled people who God uses greatly get anxious and depressed sometimes. David, who wrote the Psalms and killed thousands in battle, conquered nations, he was a king, wrote these words, I'm in distress my life is consumed, he says, by anguish. Jeremiah, another great prophet, said he wished he'd never been born. Moses asked God to take his life. Isaiah the prophet said he was undone and didn't want to live. John Ortberg, one of the most gifted authors of our day, wrote these words. He says, in my darkest time some years ago, I didn't think about suicide but I thought if my life were over, I'd be grateful for the end of pain. And if you're a stay-at-home parent, I'm telling you, little kids will suck the life right out of you. Of course you're depressed. That's what little kids do. They depress you and scream and holler and make mad. They're great but they're hard to deal with. And if you experience depress, depression as a parent, young parent, that's normal. You're not alone. You'll get through it. Question, how do you deal with feelings of inadequacy? Three ways. You gotta get some rest. Because isn't this true? Depletion leads to depression. So, so key that you remember this. Depletion leads to depression. The problem with Elijah, he's been battling it out, confronting Ahab, challenging 450 prophets, destroying them in battle. The guy is flat out depleted. 
And depletion leads to depression. The other thing depletion does, it causes you to exaggerate your problems. So he gets a single threat from Jezebel. He runs for his life. Down in verse 10, he says to God, I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Who's there? Who's they? He says, that dingling Jezebel. She's a nobody. But he's so tired that a harmless threat from a desperate housewife sends him running. And he can't handle it. Normally, I'm telling you, you can handle the nasty Jezebels in life. And they're out there. Normally, you can handle it. But when you're so exhausted, a single criticism can make you think the whole world's against me. Isn't that true? And it's just like it's crashing in. So Elijah ran into the desert, the Bible says. He found a tree, fell asleep for nap number one. Just fell right asleep. After a good nap, the Bible says an angel came along, woke him up, fed him, gave him some water. He laid down for nap number two. After a while, an angel came back, woke him up, fed him again, gave him some water. He laid back for, down back for nap number three because in his depleted state, he didn't need a seminar. He didn't need a prayer meeting. He didn't need to be around a bunch of people. He simply needed to eat and sleep. One guy recently told me, I don't know, Bob, what it's like not to feel tired anymore. That's a dangerous place to be. You need to make some changes to turn that type of lifestyle around when you can. Second way to deal with these kinds of depression, depression, depressing things, get some help. Get rest, get help. Life says, look, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. I'm all alone. And they're trying to kill me too. The only thing is he wasn't alone. And so God reminds him, God says, look, go back the way you came and anoint Hazael, Jehu, and Elijah to help you. Jehu will defeat any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elijah will defeat any who escaped the sword of Jehu. In other words, Elijah, you're not alone. You've got three bodyguards just waiting for you back home to help you and take up the sword and defend you and defeat the enemy. Not only that, God says, I have still reserved 7,000 Israelites who have not bowed their knee. To the, or to the false god of Baal. He's got three friends, whole army waiting for him. But I'm, I'm telling you, when you're depressed and depleted, it can seem like you're all alone. My dog, Blue, is the happiest creature on the planet, I think. Uh, if you pull into our driveway, and he's out in the yard, and you open the door of your car, he will jump into your lap before you can get out, he will pin you to your seat, lick your face, and basically maul you with joy. So you come into our driveway at your own risk, which is the way I kind of like it. <laughs> but winter gets very long for him, and he gets depressed. And so a friend told us of an off-leash dog park, and the first time we pulled into the place, he dragged me to the gate with his leash, just dragged me. And he knew there was a party happening on the other side, and I unleashed him. He took off like a shot. There were about 20 other dogs running around. He ran up to every dog 
every single one, sniffed around, then ran off to play like they were best friends. I stood there and watched this, and I thought to myself, I actually had this thought, why can't humans do that? Run up to people, sniff around, then go off and play like they're best friends. Why? I mean, why can't we do that? Well, there's reasons. For months, for months, though, Blue moped around home, and we never knew. There was this whole wonderful group of friends just waiting for him at the dog park that lifts him out of depression and makes him come alive. Now, you should never run up to complete strangers and say, will you be my lifelong friend? Because if they are all at all healthy, they will run from you. <laughs> you need to follow social and legal norms that lead to healthy relating, just needed to say that. But here's what I know about every one of us. Here's what I know about every one of us. We don't do well alone. Elijah thought he was all alone. And maybe some of you feel like that. We all do at times. And if I could just speak for a second to those of you who are high school students, college students, if you are a Christian and you attend or plan to attend a secular campus this fall, whether it's in the Big Ten, ACC, most schools in the MIAC, you will feel very alone at times, especially if you don't party hard on the weekends. Sadly, most schools in our nation today have a culture of drunkenness and immorality that if you're not a part of it, you will sit alone at home or in your dorm room in addition, most schools today are increasingly intolerant of Christian faith, and my heart breaks over this. Because many students today go to our universities with their lives fairly intact, only to come out four years later having lost their morality, lost their sobriety, lost their faith. That causes them to stumble into adulthood and if you're a young person here, as someone who loves you and cares about your life, don't do that. Be strong enough and wise enough not to go along with that. Be willing to stand alone for a short season in your life so you can move into adulthood free of addiction free of a truckload of regret. You don't have to follow the crowd. Be strong enough to stand alone. Most weekends, my son felt very alone at the University of Virginia while his classmates partied and hooked up. And on Sunday mornings, he went to church alone. He sat there alone. And then he wandered around at a Target store alone after church because he just wanted to be reminded of home and to be around people who weren't completely hung over from the night before. But God honored his courage. Many of those classmates grew to respect David and have taken steps to overcome their past. And today he's, he's a lawyer, he's a husband, a dad. 
great Christian leader. He's got friends at work and friends at church because God blesses you if you stand alone. It's hard sometimes. Easiest thing in the world, just follow the crowd. But you can wreck your life. Don't do that. Be strong enough. But we don't do well alone. In his depleted state, Elijah said he was the only one left. But he wasn't. He wasn't alone. God reminded him of three friends and an army of 7,000 to help him regain his courage. And I'm telling you, you can feel very alone as a student or at work, but you're not alone. If you're a Christian, God is with you at all times. Find other believers at school. They're there. They're as intimidated and as afraid as you are. Stay connected to church, either this one or another one. Seek out a small group, and sometimes you may have to call a Christian counselor to help you get through a tough spot. There have been four times in my life when I felt so alone and so depleted that honestly what saved me from sinking was a Christian counselor who walked alongside me and just loved me back to strength. Elijah said, go back. God said to Elijah, go back. Ask your friends. Seek them out to help you. Third way to deal with depression is get back in the game. You know, Elijah had this huge victory at Mount Carmel. Then he got criticized, so he ran into the desert and wanted to die. And chapter 19, verse 1, I love this question God asked me. He says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gives this little speech, and he says, well, God, I've been so zealous for you. I've battled the prophets. I'm the only one left. I just want to die. God asked him a second time, Elijah, what are you doing here? He gives the same speech. You can read it in chapter 19. God, I've been zealous for you. Battle of prophets, only in love. I just want to die. But God just kind of ignores him. And he says, look, I know it's been rough, but you've had your naps. You're well fed. And I love what God says to him. He says, go back now the way you came. Anoint Hazael, Jehu, and Eliza, in other words, Elijah, get up. Get up now and get back in the game. God is saying, this isn't who you are. This isn't where you belong. Remember, you confronted Ahab, called down fire, destroyed the prophets. You're my guy. Now go back and be the person I made you to be. And I want to be gentle here. Because we all go through low times where we need to rest up and get healed but I'm telling you, there has to come a time when you hear the voice of God, oftentimes through a friend, and that person or God's voice will say, what are you doing here? It's time to get up. Don't stay where you are. That's not who I made you to be. Get back in the game. Remember who I made you to be. Remember what I've done in your life. Recall my faithfulness. Don't stay here. It's time to get up. So important to take a step back toward what God has called you to do. Last January, the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl a long time ago. But last week, last week at the Football Hall of Fame, Brian Dawkins was inducted. Philadelphia Eagle Brian Dawkins was inducted to the Football Hall of Fame. Brian is a Christ follower. 
He was drafted in 1996, but soon after that high point when he was drafted, the darkness of doubt and depression overcame him. And last week, in front of thousands, millions of people, he talked openly about how God brought him back into the game. Watch this, and then we'll come up and close in two minutes. Football was what I did. It is not who I am. I am a blessed man of God, and the Lord has blessed me to do the things that I do. And so nothing just happens in my life. The majority of success that I have had have come on the back end of pain. Pain has pushed me to levels unknown for me at the time. All I know that that was pain, but on the other side of it, all of a sudden, I became better in an area. So when we go through those situations in our lives, pain helps you develop those things that is gonna take you to the next level of whatever it is the Lord has for you. Believe that. I'm a living testimony of that. See, there's a purpose for my pain. There's a purpose for my pain. I suffer from depression. I went through it mightily my rookie year. I've suffered through suicidal thoughts. And I wasn't just suffering through suicidal thoughts. I was actually planning the way that I would kill myself. <clears throat> but what that pain did for me, it, it, it increased my faith exponentially. I have grown leaps and bounds because of the things that I've gone through, and that's one of those things that I went through. And when I say went through, that means I came on the other side of it. So for those who are going through right now, there's hope. You do have hope. There is something on the other side of this. Don't get caught up where you are. Don't stay where you are. Keep moving. Keep pushing through. Don't settle. Don't settle in this life. Push through the pain. On the other side of that pain, it's something special for you to go into the next level of what God has for you. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what you're going to do with me next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. First time this church will ever clap for the Philadelphia Eagles. Doesn't matter if you're an athlete. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor, parent, married, single, young or old, well off or poor. Pain and struggle. It's common to everybody. And when you're going through it, it could seem like you'll never get out of it. But God is there. And when you go through it with his strength, on the other side, you'll hear God say, I'm still with you. I love you. You're my guy, you're my gal, 
get up. Gather your friends. Get back in the game. Keep pushing through. And you'll begin to see that there was a purpose for the pain after all. I know in a crowd this size and watching online at all campuses, there are some of you who are absolutely flat out tired. You're exhausted. And that's not a good place to be. And my prayer for you is that you'll get rest. You'll find a way. You'll get, you get some rest. You'll find a way to drop something, change something, give something up. Because depletion leads to depression. Some of you feel very alone. Even in a crowd like this, some of you feel alone. We all do at times. But you are not alone. There are people in this church in this world who are believers. Some of you are not believers yet. We're so glad you're here and watching, but you know, if you're a believer, there are other believers around you. Seek them out. Pray. God, show me. You know, take a step. Ask for help. And others of you are just sidelined. You're inactive. You feel defeated. And maybe what you needed to hear today is God still believes in you. It's time to get up and get back in the game. So let me pray for everybody as you stay seated and watch online. God, thanks so much for uh, these men and women of the Bible who show us the way. I thank you so much that Elijah was a man just like us. Had all the same problems and stresses and weaknesses that we do, and yet you used him mightily but he got tired and he felt alone and beaten up. Just wanted to end it. But God, you restored him. You were so good to him. You don't remove the pain, but you help us get through it and then you bring us back stronger. And so I pray for every person here who's exhausted or feeling alone or feeling like they're just sidelined. Get them back up. Remind them who they are. Loved by you. Forgiven by your son, Jesus. Called to serve you in a way that maybe we don't even realize yet. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace, God, in Jesus' name. If you need some prayer, we're gonna be here afterwards. Come on up. Have a great weekend, everybody. God bless you all.